This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we are discussing Season 2, Episode 13, A Tisket, A Tasket. The annual Stars Hollow Picnic Basket Auction causes romantic complications when Jess outbids Dean to win a picnic lunch date with Rory. Wow, that's understating things. <laughs> is is this one of your favorite episodes? Yeah, I would say so. I was looking forward to this one quite a lot, and it... It did live up to my memory, I would say. Yeah. I just feel like in general, it's a very classic Gilmore Girls episode. Like if you're trying to recall particular episodes, I think this one would come to mind. Yeah, it's got like a quirky town thing and plenty of drama. <laughs> yeah. If a Gilmore Girls episode had a recipe, mm-hmm. like town function, like you mentioned, romantic storylines, like it has a few of the essential ingredients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> okay. I guess before we get into our talking fast, just a reminder to rate and review us, especially on Apple Podcasts, and email us at talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you in advance. <laughs> we really like getting emails, just random emails from people. It's just fun. <laughs> yeah, it's good to know we're not talking in a like a Zoom yeah. void as we record this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Though even if we were would probably still be doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, should we get into talking our talking fasts? Yeah. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> On your mark, get set, go. So there's going to be a basket bidding, and Lorelai and Rory are both preparing mediocre baskets, and Suki is making one that's like fine art in itself. And Dean and Jess get into a bidding war, and Jess wins Rory's basket, Lorelai is trying to be set or is being set up by Miss Patty and Luke saves her and Suki and Jackson have a little tiff but make up and then they get engaged and meanwhile Lane is having problems with Henry and then everything blows up over Rory and Jess and okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) definitely didn't go into any detail I yeah you mentioned that Suki's basket is a masterpiece Mm -hmm. which is an important detail yeah (laughs) I just well, we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> Are you ready? Sure, I'll try. Okay, go. The premise of this episode is the basket auction. Um, Suki and Jackson, you know, have a thing where... Oh, oh taking up way too much time. Suki and Jackson have a basket thing. Uh, Kirk takes her basket. Meanwhile, Jess bids for Rory's basket. Dean is upset. Lorelai takes his side kind of problematically. Emily agrees with Lorelai, which is a bad sign for Lorelai. Um, Lorelai and Luke don't realize they're in love with each other still somehow. <laughs> not <Perfect>. my best. <laughs> not my best. <laughs> I was a bit worried because as soon as you started, my cats started playing in the background. And I was afraid they would distract you. <laughs> it's probably a manifestation of my own nervous <laughs> energy. <laughs> well, I think we did all right. 
as far as talking fasts go. Prepared <laughs> <laughs> to talk about it slowly, so yeah, <laughs> we can do that now. Sounds good. So we start the episode. I can't decide whether this is a Valentine's Day episode or a spring episode because mm. it's got all the fixings of a Valentine's Day episode, but then everything's covered in like springtime flowers and stuff. It's not roses or anything like that. So yeah, I don't know. That makes me wonder when this episode aired oh, yeah. in real life. Like perhaps it aired in February but within the show, it was more so spring. Yeah, that's I feel a good like point. we had this question when there was the episode about the double dates. Oh, We're yeah. Like, doesn't this have Valentine's vibes, even though it's not outright <laughs> Valentine's? And I don't think that one was February either, though. But <laughs> yeah, the the only holidays they seem to really do at the holiday time are like Thanksgiving and sometimes Christmas. Yeah, I don't think Amy Sherman Palladino <laughs> seems like. She screams Valentine's Day to me. Yeah, that's true. I'd <laughs> More <agree>. so Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. But I will say that this cold open, which like sets the scene and the tone for the episode, was my Stars Hollow moment. Ooh, nice. I feel like if you hadn't seen the show and someone showed this like opening to you, it would clearly communicate exactly <laughs> what the Stars Hollow aesthetic is. You know, it like the camera starts in the gazebo and it's covered in like flowers and ribbons someone is setting up decorations and then it pans away to these like signs that have been placed in the like grass of the town square and they're announcing like the basket auction and kind of like almost old english like looking font in a way And the very last one says these signs are sponsored by Taylor, which is a fun detail. Um, And it pans to like Lorelai and Rory talking about, you know, this town function. And it's just so quintessential Stars Hollow, regardless Mm -hmm. of if I approve of this tradition or not. It's very (laughs) classic, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I could see how it would like really stir up daydreams and stuff like there's just so much potential for like oh i don't know meet cutes and Mm -hmm. stuff like that in a situation like this yeah like lorelei says later i do think it is potentially romantic and it's nice to Mm -hmm. imagine having a crush and having someone bid on your basket i feel like it could easily be fixed by just saying anyone can make a basket Mm mm-hmm I think that would solve it all. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there is no reason why they can't all be bidding on each other's baskets and then you'd have twice the food. And if you're in a couple, you could like coordinate. Yeah. Like one person brings the drinks and one person brings blah, blah, blah. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a good point. Like Luke is the one who should have made the basket. And Lorelai is the one who should mm-hmm. bid on his basket, you know, yeah, like just because true. their gender does not associate with their capability of cooking, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really liked this opening and I especially like, um, so as as we're in Dosi's market, the Lorelai and Rory kind of split up and I like what happens with Lorelai and Miss Patty here. And Miss Patty also gets my Lorelai's closet for the episode because she's wearing this like drapey dark blue velvet dress. Mm-hmm. 
I don't I don't know if it's a dress or just a shawl, but it's drapey and blue and velvet and it looks very luscious. <laughs> yeah. She's all about like I feel like movement, you know, all of her clothes mm-hmm. are perfect for that. Just flowing, yeah, sensual. Yeah. I would love to wear a lot of her clothes. <laughs> yeah. But she has so she accidentally drops a picture of Lorelai, which is <laughs> a very weird thing to happen. And it and it ends up that Miss Patty has been doing her own personal matchmaking for Lorelai. And anytime she sees, you know, a handsome gentleman, she hands out Lorelai's picture, which is just so weird. Um, it really reminded me of um, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, like, uh, storyline for Rose in the last, is it the last couple seasons where she oh, becomes a matchmaker? Yeah. And then there's like the matchmaker mafia kind of (laughs) yeah actually you're right I didn't make that connection I actually have a Maisel connection later on oh so do I oh I bet it's the same thing probably (laughs) (laughs) so that's what's gonna be kind of pushing things along for Lorelai in this Mm -hmm. episode Lorelai obviously doesn't want this to be going on because she thinks she can find a man on her own and also Mm -hmm. it's not Miss Patty's business but try telling Miss Patty that obviously (laughs) doesn't work (laughs) right the, it's very much about Lorelai's stubbornness of, mm-hmm. and a bit of pride because Miss Patty says like, well, you're not very good at finding <laughs> because Lorelai's like, I can do this on my own. And Miss Patty begs to differ. I wonder if this was happening now, I bet Miss Patty would have made like a hinge profile for her or something Absolutely. and just <laughs> like set things up that way. Meanwhile, on the other side of the market, the establishment of Rory's own plotline in this episode is going down. I feel like that was a weird way to phrase that. <laughs> like passive, maybe. But um, Rory finds Dean, of course. She's looking for her basket. Uh, this is actually when Dean finds her. And they make out, of course, because Taylor's not around. But there is someone lurking behind Dean's <laughs> shoulder. <a> creep. <laughs> which is kind of weird. Um, Jess, he like interrupts them just by... His presence, I guess, Dean senses him, (laughs) and it goes into this whole little tiff between the two of them. Jess says Dean is standing in front of the super glue. Uh, That seems very artificial as a premise to me. Mm. (laughs) Dean then complains to Rory once Jess leaves, basically saying he hates that Jess is breathing, which is an intense thing (laughs) to say about someone. Rory says, like, you're wasting your energy. You need to just, like, get off to a new start with him. Don't worry about it, et cetera. Like, this is really setting up their arguments down the line in the episode. And Dean goes away to continue working and just pops up again out of thin air at the end, um, startling Rory. And he says, oh, I needed to come back for a second super glue because it's a two-for-one sale. Once again, clearly just trying to be around Rory and to mess with Dean it's very much how this episode is going to function moving forward. <laughs> yeah. The attitude that he does all this with, though, is just like, you can't help but laugh every mm-hmm. single time. Like, even though he is very clearly pushing Dean's buttons, Dean is overreacting, but he's also like 17. So, yeah, you know, there's some some it's- leeway there. But just yeah. just like he knows exactly what he's doing and he does it with such like, sassiness as we said (laughs) yeah I agree it's like Dean's reaction is so serious and out of 10 and he has no control over it 
Whereas Jess, I think, is in control. He's choosing to do these things. And with that, like, mischievous energy that, yeah, I think it's like Rory. Like, we're, like, smiling, knowing he's done this prank. And he's like, did you like it? And we know we're not supposed to. But it's like, okay, but it was kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah, as always. And I'm I'm just excited to have an episode that prominently features Jess because we've been having him, like, sprinkled throughout. Yeah, a little underutilized to this point. Yeah, this is really the first one, except, I don't know, maybe the Bracebridge dinner, but even then, that wasn't very much. Mm-hmm. And this, he's like a main plot point here, so. So, now we just have kind of preparations for the basket, bidding basket thing. Um, we go to the inn, and Lorelai is busy at work. She gets some mail and takes it into the kitchen to talk to Suki about it. Suki has been cooking, like she has cookies all over the place. You can tell she's taking this basket thing very seriously. Lorelai has received resumes from Miss Patty's um, matches for her, I guess. (laughs) And I think there are pictures with them. So she's just ranting to Suki about how Miss Patty's setting her up with people and... Mm -hmm. It's just ridiculous. And the major thing I would say as part of this in is setting up Soki's own storyline as mm-hmm. well. This episode is very much about like the romantic entanglements yeah. in a way. <laughs> uh, so Jackson shows up and he wants to talk about his question is like, should I re-up my lease? He's essentially saying his landlord, his lease is up. Should he re-up his lease? And... Suki takes this question rather literally. Uh, she's thinking he's asking for her opinion about like his property. Like, do you like to live there? And so she's saying the good things about his house. And she ultimately says, like, I don't see why you shouldn't. And this is such a classic romance miscommunication air that propels on the conflict itself later on in the episode spoiler alert but I thought this was a cute scene setting up this Mm -hmm. little dilemma for the both of them and their relationship and overall I'm just glad this episode featured a plot line about the two of them yeah we haven't really gotten a full plot line for them since their first date yeah (laughs) yeah I loved Jackson was just like beating around the bush Mm -hmm. as like with a chainsaw (laughs) like he was not getting to the point at all (laughs) I know I wish he would have been more direct yeah yeah if he had just even if he had just said like from the very beginning I'm thinking about not upping or re-upping my lease what do you think I feel like that would have been closer to getting to the point than whatever he ended up doing (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah he should have just asked straight up but that wouldn't be Jackson and Sookie if that happened, of course. No, no. <laughs> so we also get a little scheme um, from Lane. She has two baskets, and one of them is for her, is it her cousin or, like, I don't know. Yeah, uh, David. An, somebody approved by Mrs. Kim. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Kim made that basket. Which is, like, full of health foods and stuff, which they mock. And it brings up our conversation about, like, Mm -hmm. food on the show. And it seems like it's interestingly only Mrs. Kim who's associated with, like, nutritious food. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And strictness. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. But her plan is extremely confusing. Essentially, David, Mm -hmm. he's going to bid on her basket and then they're going to go off, sit by a phone booth and Henry's going to call and then she's going to go and get the real basket that she made for Henry and then she and Henry can finally have a date. Um, I think we know from the very beginning that this isn't going to (laughs) go as smoothly as she has it planned in her head. (laughs) It's very involved. Yeah, it's just, like, no no wonder Henry decides he can't deal with it. It's just a lot. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll discuss that a bit later. As, you know, as Lane was sharing this information with Rory and Lorelai, they were all walking to the auction. So they arrive, and Kirk bids on Lane's basket, and <laughs> Mrs. Kim stares him down with a glare, and he rescinds his offer completely. <laughs> and Lane's cousin bids on it, and it all goes according to plan. Me, like throughout all of this, Taylor is the auctioneer sort of person here, and he has this sort of like Vanna White type <laughs> behind him handing yeah. out the baskets. <laughs> this is my star's hollow moment, is Taylor enjoying being an auctioneer so much and I forget who says it maybe Lorelai mentions that Taylor's enjoying this way too much and Mm -hmm. it's true it is it is like a a very Taylor-ish kind of job where he gets to be yelling at everybody and be in charge (laughs) and have all these rules and stuff Mm -hmm. so (sighs) Taylor he's a strange one Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wonder what he would do if he was on the other side like whose basket would he bid on or is that why he takes the job of the auctioneer so he doesn't have to deal with it? <laughs> mm, that's a good question. But anyways, the next thing that happens is where things really start to heat up. So it's Rory's basket is up and of course Dean starts to bid on it. And then we hear a voice off in the background upping a bid and it's Jess and they go back and forth. Each or Dean just getting angrier and angrier, and Rory and Lorelai just kind of like panicking <laughs> over what's happening. And they're both raising the bid much more than they need yeah. to each time, <laughs> so it's very much a sort of contest and them showing off in their like competition for a woman. <laughs> yeah, it's not even like raising like two or three dollars at a time, they're raising like ten dollars at a time, basically. Yeah. Like later for at the Lorelai bidding contest, which sounds awful, you they're only raising by like 50 cents each time mm-hmm. practically or something. So this is the very heated two young boys like having a pissing contest pretty much. Yeah. And Jess, of course, wins. Who knows where he got the $90, or something. Yeah. I feel um, like that's a lot for a teenager yeah especially like 20 years ago too yeah even if you have a job like you you don't make enough to unless you save every single penny for a long time anyways (laughs) taylor taylor says that jess the nice young hoodlum wins (laughs) i don't know if this is the perfect time to say it maybe i should have said it earlier but i think we alluded to this a little bit but the whole like premise of like a bidding thing for a woman's basket and it's the men like I it is worth just highlighting how 
strange and gendered that is and Mm -hmm. i think that comes off really clearly in this moment of two guys like fighting for rory through like offering money and she having like no control or choice in that like she's not picking who gets the basket and then they get like they get her basket and they like open it and get to keep it and have it. And it's very, I feel like euphemistic there. Mm-hmm. I don't think I need to draw the analogy too much. Like, yeah, it's just, you know, a little, it's a bizarre undertone or overtone of this episode that overall I think is an entertaining one. But yeah, just wanted to highlight the gender of <laughs> all of this. Yeah. The woman is commodity type thing. Yeah. Which is, yep just great <laughs> um so as rory takes dean off to try and calm him down because he is like fuming with anger rory is really trying to like placate him and say like she didn't want this dean shouldn't be mad at her he like jess is just trying to get under his skin which i think makes sense i think dean's anger is just like he has no idea who he's actually directing it towards at this point. He's just angry yeah. at everybody. And it definitely shouldn't be directed at Roy because of what you just said. Like, she has no control. <laughs> and it, sh- it should obviously be Jess. But also, him being so angry about it is making something that could be kind of trivial into a huge deal for everybody. Yeah. So, Yeah, I feel like his anger or his frustration in this moment is justified like he thought they had a plan to spend you know this picnic together they are dating and it is obviously very frustrating (laughs) for then a random person to interrupt that and get to spend the time with like his girlfriend but it's very much the management or lack thereof of the anger that I think is the issue like you're saying him not being able to direct it appropriately or control it at all and then it only gets worse from here is really the red flag not necessarily the anger itself but like the lack of control Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) Jess comes up and does not make things better (laughs) no (laughs) um this is he and Dean kind of have a back and forth and I'm guessing this might be your Mrs. Maisel <laughs> moment. Yeah, because <laughs> Dean, Dean is like, you've got to be joking. And Jess says, well, it's no Lenny Bruce routine, but it has its moments, which is, yeah. you know, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel features a character called Lenny Bruce that I thought was fictional, but then turns out it was actually based on a real comedian. And yeah. I guess if I'd been paying better attention to this episode of Gilmore Girls, they would have known that they were alluding to someone real. Yeah. That was my Jess sass attack. Oh, it was my Rory's bookshelf. Actually. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I I think the Lenny Bruce in Mrs. Maisel is my favorite comedian character. Mm-hmm. And like watching some of Lenny Bruce's real r- routines... The actor did such a good job. Mm. Um, but it's it's just an interesting idea to think of Jess as a 17-year-old boy knowing about Lenny Bruce, who yeah. was, I think, long dead by the time that mm-hmm. he was born. <laughs> and it's not like he has YouTube at this point, so. 
But he probably yeah. got a record. I guess. I guess that's what you do with, you like buy, stand up records and stuff and listen to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I liked the Lenny Bruce reference because it did make me think of Maisel, and I agree, he's one of my favorite characters on that show. If it's not clear to listeners, I and like when I am often watching things, maybe more so than Suzanne, I like find my person I'm going to thirst after, you know? <laughs> and for me, that character is Lenny Bruce on Maisel. Like, I, the things he makes me feel, he's so just well-written, but also so appealing. <laughs> As you mentioned, Luke Kirby just does a great job playing mm-hmm. him. And I love him, especially in, like, season three when he comes to, like, you don't expect him to just show up when she's in Florida and he just kind of shows up at, like, the bar. And then they have the most, like, slow burn episode ever Mm -hmm. and then it kind of finally the payoff is in season like the most recent season I won't say more about that to avoid spoilers but just such a perfect like romantic interest in that show I think yeah there's a lot of like smoldering gazes Mm -hmm. leaning Mm -hmm. in doorways (laughs) (laughs) and and he's so clever and smart funny Mm -hmm. very much like Jess in a lot of ways yeah yeah that's true they even have like similar delivery I think Mm -hmm. but essentially Rory agrees to go with Jess to have the picnic Dean of course is really angry about this um and is just kind of I wrote like he's just explosive about it Mm -hmm. and I don't I don't know necessarily that Rory really had to go with Jess I think that she was justifying going with Jess because she wanted to. <laughs> yeah. She says it's because of tradition. She's like, well, I have to go because he won the basket and that's what you do. But you're right. Like, she didn't have to go. She wants to go. And she's using this, like, excuse of the tradition to cover it up, which she's fine mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, explosive is a good word because the more major red flags in this conversation as Dean continues to get worked up is like he's saying things like you can't go mm-hmm. and he's speaking for Rory to Jess and he is saying um like at the end when she's like I wouldn't do anything to hurt you he says you're doing it right now <laughs> so, so angsty but like guilting her you know yeah so the jealousy is such a issue here mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as we see at the end of the episode, though, like, his jealousy, as far as jealousy can be justified, it is. Mm -hmm. She clearly has a thing for Jess, but... Yeah. I think maybe, maybe, is that one reason they would maybe expect us to understand and be more forgiving of of Dean's frustration because, like, as the viewer, we see that she is into Jess uh, yeah or like in this scene is he like lashing out so much because she's saying like it's tradition and she's going with him and he's just so confused of like why are you why are you doing this at all like you don't have to do this you could just say no and come like have a picnic with me and it's there like you said but like I don't know I we still don't <laughs> view him favorably no yeah. matter what, I guess. <laughs> yeah, someday we'll have to, like, do an interview with a Dean Stan and mm. ask, you know, what their thoughts are about these things. Yeah. <laughs> Be interesting. 
I feel like there are a lot of points where I could easily be convinced for the other side, especially just like if you give me the argument that he's a teenage boy and mm-hmm. does that make his behavior good? No. But does that kind of give him a bit of an excuse, especially with the culture that mm-hmm. he was raised in? Yes. But still. And what like would we view it differently if this had been Tristan mm-hmm. who outbid him? Yeah, I mean, yes, true. but that's also because that adds something new to it, you know, and Tristan yeah. is horrible and doesn't have that same, like, mischievous vibe as Jess. And that would be all, like, him just, like, having all the money in the world. He'd probably put down, like, $500 or something. It would be horrible. Yeah. And he would expect something from Rory. Yeah. I feel like Jess is, he doesn't ever, he doesn't even seem to necessarily expect that she's going to come with him. He mm-hmm. hopes that she will, but... yeah. He's kind of, it's been a big gamble, I think, mm-hmm. um, which we'll get back to in, in a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While we're still at the auction, um, next up is going to be Suki's basket, which is the basket itself is edible. It's just yeah. like this thing alone should cost like $700 or something just from I know. the labor. Like, and where, can I auction, where can I sign up to yeah. pay for this? <laughs> And Suki, of course, is waiting for Jackson to bid. They're in a relationship, like that's expected. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't. Mm-mm. Kirk does. He wins the basket for like $30 or $25 or something, which is just ludicrous. <laughs> and like throughout the whole bidding, Suki's trying to like just get Jackson to look at her, and he's just looking very grumpy. Yeah. So after the bidding is done, she goes off to talk to him see what's going on and finally we get the explanation of what he was talking about with his landlord he kind of goes around it again still for a while i think but eventually he says um that he doesn't want to re-up his lease because he wants to move in like he wants them to move in together and he asks suki if she's ever thought about it and at first she says no and he becomes kind of defeated and starts to walk away and then she admits that of course she's thought about it but she's really worried that living together will ruin their relationship and that he'll get tired of her which I feel like must be a like a really common feeling to have when you're about to move in with somebody Mm -hmm. and this moment like their moments in this episode just made me like tear up because they were just so like realistic I thought Mm -hmm. and they you just saw like their relationship was strong enough that they could deal with it Mm -hmm. and in the end they make up and decide to move in together or table the conversation (laughs) yeah and Jackson like dips her into a kiss which Mm -hmm. I thought was very like dramatic and romantic I liked that flair for like heightened it it just made it such a moment and it felt like Mm -hmm. yeah it felt momentous and it leads into their next scene really well too i think yeah they're lovely (laughs) i also wanted to mention that my lorelei's closet goes to the outfit suki has on in this episode which um primarily i'm thinking about the cardigan she's wearing which is a longer one like she often wears this one is purple and it has a pink collar and then the sleeves like the cuffs are the pink like boa fluffy material that I feel like we've seen on Lorelai before maybe it's just so like whimsical and I would never 
ever think to wear something (laughs) like that but it's just so fun and like it's just a really cool outfit she's got like a pink scarf on as well and a like a green sort of knit top it's just like a beautiful outfit Mm -hmm. I think it's the perfect outfit to wear for like her big scene coming up like it's just beautiful yeah I thought even parts of the color palette like the pink and blue were the same as their first date but I think I don't know if that was on purpose or if it's just the colors that Suki wears (laughs) because she does wear them often (laughs) yeah I I loved her outfit it is so Suki again nothing I would ever pair together or wear myself but (laughs) it works for her (laughs) so our last bidding that we get to see is for Lorelai's basket um, which is supposedly just filled with like slim jims and I don't know, a pop tart or something i didn't catch the other thing yeah <laughs> but um strangely quite a few guys are bidding lorelei is a little bit taken aback and then she starts putting the pieces together and realizes that these are miss patty's guys <laughs> so she goes over and kind of confronts miss patty about it but eventually or I guess not eventually, because quite quickly she decides to save herself and go and beg Luke to bid on the basket, which I thought was, we've said this with things before, but there are so many easier things she could have done, so (laughs) many other people that she could have asked for help. Yeah. And she goes straight to Luke and does something that makes them have to spend more time together. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know... I don't know, so, writing yeah. on the wall. <laughs> An- yeah, another part of, like, that classic friends to lovers trope. Mm-hmm. Um, like, against all odds, both of them somehow, or at least one of them, don't realize they're, like, in love with the other person. <laughs> and they yeah. drag this out for a long time in this show in particular. <laughs> like, Luke's response to her is asking, like, why don't you just buy your own basket? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is another, like, easy thing she could have done. Or... Like, just go, like, go on one of the dates with the guys. Like, they didn't seem awful. Mm-hmm. If if Miss Patty picked them out, I feel like she has good taste. And Lorelai likes dating guys from what we've seen. That's true. But the reason that she doesn't, I mean, I feel like it's a sign. Yeah. She, he doesn't want to participate, of course, in this town function. But Mm-mm. he finally does go out and buys the basket But with all of that bidding out of the way, the rest of the episode is dedicated to like vignettes of the different Mm -hmm. picnics with these different couples. And then later on, the aftermath of (laughs) some of this storyline going on. So to highlight, you know, the first picnic that we see is from Jess and Rory. Jess approaches Rory and she's looking really forlorn Yeah, (laughs) after her fight with Dean. um, And he's like, do you want to go? And she says yes, but she's definitely not enthusiastic about it. And she's kind of reserved at the start of their date. She's not really interested in finding a location. She's pretty quiet and Jess is really doing the heavy load of like the talking and the setting of the scene and whatnot, which I think is fair. You know, she didn't ask for this. (laughs) I thought he was even being a bit vulnerable, as Mm -hmm. we could say, (laughs) or as they would say on The Bachelor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So he takes her to 
the bridge that Luke pushed him off of. Yeah, and good memories. Yeah, he, says. He, ta- he talks about the memories he has there. And yeah, I thought, I mean, Rory's like first question is kind of like, why did you do that? Just starts off by saying that he just likes pushing Dean's buttons like because he gets so angry and it's fun. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's really apparent that that's not really the reason why he did this. Like he clearly did this because he wants to be with Rory and maybe yeah. it's just like a fun side thing to like piss Dean off. But yeah, he he attempts to make that excuse Yeah, he says when he was like talking about why he likes to pick on Dean, he said um, it starts as a joke, but then he got so mad and he's so tall. (laughs) It's really funny. And honestly, I do kind of get that, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you're right, clearly, though, because like we said before, when Jess, well, no, when Dean interrupts that fight Jess is having with someone else and Dean is like, why me? when he swings at him I don't I think it's clearly like if Dean was not dating Rory who just met first and like got a crush on instantly like I don't think he would care one way or another about mm-hmm. Dean like I like we said maybe they wouldn't be friends but they just wouldn't care about one another it's very much Dean's relationship with Rory and then perhaps his tallness that <laughs> are what attract Jess's attention to him to like me- mess with him yeah, I don't remember exactly what the context was, but at one point we were like talking about the positive attributes of Jess versus Dean and why Rory seems to be attracted to them. It might have been during the Bracebridge dinner episode. And I think I just said that Dean's tallness is the most attractive thing about him. Mm-hmm. Because you always hear, like, if you ask a straight girl, what she's looking for in a guy you always hear like tall at least often mm-hmm. and I I just like Dean isn't bringing a, very much like intellectually I don't mean that he's stupid or anything it's just like he's not matching Lori, Rory's level um they don't seem to have much in common but they're obviously both physically attracted to each other and he's tall so <laughs> yeah there's a kid at my high school who went by tall and then insert name here to be anonymous it was like his whole personality or claim to fame was that he was tall so yeah when we come back to Rory and Jess they seem to be getting on a lot better they're talking about books and Mm -hmm. I love this conversation like I just people don't just have conversations about books enough I, Mm -hmm. I just it's can be such a fun like way to just talk about something that you enjoy yeah. it's kind of low stakes but you still also get to like learn a lot about somebody so they're talking about the fountainhead which i've never read but i do agree with jess's uh comments about the author and in rain right r-a-y-n ran rand rain something like that yeah Jess is trying to get Rory to read Hemingway, which of course he would. Mm -hmm. That's such a Jess author. I thought it was weird that Rory's was like the fountainhead. Yeah. Like Hemingway. They were both like, yeah, I loved what they were talking about, but like the actual books they picked, I was kind of like, meh. (laughs) Yeah. 
We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Stars Hollow is a place where chivalry persists and traditional courtship is required. As a town, we even host a number of events that promote our antiquated values, including the cherished bid-on-a-basket picnic day. Now you all know the drill. Every nice, well-bred woman will show her homemaking skills by creating a lavish picnic basket. And the provider of the family, the man, of course, will decide just how much she is worth paying for. All proceeds go to Stars Hollow Retirement Home, which is where our town values should go also. Ladies, ladies, we know what you're thinking. You want to put your best foot forward, but where on earth does one buy a basket these days? Look no further than your trusty Stars Hollow Selectman, Taylor Dosey. Step your dainty toes on over to Dosey's Market and find the perfect basket to showcase what you bring to a marriage. Listeners of Talking Fast can even get a discount on a nice plaid tablecloth to go along with their basket. Just mention the podcast at checkout and you'll get 50% off the tablecloth, which is essential to creating a romantic ambiance. After all, Miss Patty's matchmaking services can only get suitable men to the bidding. It's your responsibility to show them they spent their money wisely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'd also want to know like which Hemingway Jess is talking about because I think that does make quite a big difference (laughs) I've only read like the sun also rises and something else I'm not a huge I'm not a Hemingway fan I would yeah if I were to recommend anything it would be the sun also rises yeah a lot of it's just about like men and war and things like that masculinity toxic masculinity (laughs) drinking and stuff like that yeah which it really makes me sad that and i i think this is like a problem with the education system and something that this show kind of perpetuates is that there are these like classics in literature these like grand authors that everybody has to read who aren't always that great they're just a lot of the time like with Hemingway I feel like are they did something different at the time and they're white men and that's what makes them like these huge staples in western literature or English literature especially and I just want there to be a bit of branching out. I want there to be, like, maybe somebody's really into fantasy or sci-fi or somebody really likes horror horror books or something like that. Like, you don't just have to read these, like, canonical works to be well-read or, Mm -hmm. you know, a reader. That doesn't make... That does Yeah, you can read whatever you like and you can like a lot of different things. Yeah, totally just seems like everything Rory reads especially are, is this like canon canon stuff and I can't yeah. ever tell if that's just because that's what the writers know <laughs> or yeah I think it's, it's like a lot of name dropping 
which I think is useful for illusions just from like a, you know, but I think part of it is also, it seems like, I think it feeds into us viewing her as like a prodigy. The fact that she Mm -hmm. can read all this great literature is supposed to signal something to us too. Um, And then also I sort of like, we've talked about different kinds of readers and I feel like at this point, and maybe I had this phase too, as like a younger reader, when you like start to read, you do kind of like fall, at least in my experience, and it seems like Roy's, you may fall into that experience of feeling like, oh, I do need to read all of these things mm-hmm. to have like this experience um, as a reader. So I think she's very much like collecting titles, you know, of things yeah. that she's heard about or feels like she should read, which can be useful. Like I think we said before, it feels good to like have read a book in every category so you can talk to people (laughs) about stuff (laughs) and when you're so young you really you're doing a lot of that work (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I think it could be a lot of things but it's certainly perpetuating that idea of the greatness of literature which has its pros and cons (laughs) yeah yeah I just don't want people to try and read some of these books and not like them and never read again like Mm -hmm. There's so much else out there that you might like a lot better. (laughs) But anyways, they talk about books and I love that. Yeah. Her, um, as they kind of transition out of this conversation about books, Rory asks Jess another second important question is, why are you only nice to me? Mm -hmm. Which is a perfect question to ask because it is the truth. (laughs) And it's because he likes you. Yeah. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, he doesn't say that. I think he kind of changes the subject. Yeah. And it kind of comes out in this second conversation that he had the plan to bid on her basket, you know, like he wanted to spend time with her. It wasn't solely about messing with Dean. Um, And this is clear to us, of course, but it becomes clearer to Rory in that moment. And they agree to go get pizza and go to a bookstore, which is the perfect, Mm -hmm. perfect thing to do date (laughs) perfect date and like she comes home with books that she bought you can only imagine he did the same Mm -hmm. like there's a thing like dean before offered to go spend like six hours with her in a bookstore and carry around her books and i was like that's the epitome of a perfect boyfriend at the time but now it's (laughs) like no the epitome would be the boyfriend who is also looking for books for Mm -hmm. himself or you or both and then you can talk about them and share that interest, you know? Like, I'm sure that's what their version of a bookstore date looked like. Yeah. Yeah, that would be romantic. <laughs> oh, the one last thing that ends their picnic is he, like, picks up... Is that, like, a bracelet of hers? Yeah, it's the bracelet that Dean made for uh, her birthday oh, in, yeah. like, the th- fourth episode or something. Yeah. So and she leaves like, it behind on the bridge for some reason. I don't know why she took it off. It might have or set it down. fallen off or something. I think yeah. that's what we're supposed to think. Yeah. But Jess takes it and pockets it. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that will come up later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of... Um, he obviously doesn't know that it's from Dean. So I read this as like uh, in Little Women when John Brooks takes Meg's glove and like mm-hmm. keeps it as a memento of her. That's what I read this as. I don't read yeah. this as like a malicious, ha ha ha, I got this thing Dean gave to her because how could he possibly know? Right. Yeah, I think it's supposed to show us like a a romantic side of him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Or vulnerable side, as you would say. Like he, like you might not suspect he would be the type because of his tough guy exterior to like take a memento from someone he has a crush on mm-hmm. and then like hold it in bed while he's reading a book later. <laughs> I bet he uses it as a bookmark. Oh, uh, <laughs> I like that. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. But I think our next picnic to focus on would be the Sookie and Jackson yeah. one, which is my gazebo moment. Is it yours? Uh, yes. <laughs> How'd you know? How could we not, though? Like, it's such a big moment. Yeah, they're so great. They're So Jackson has bought the basket back from Kirk. After who... a lot of haggling, yeah. he had to spend like $250. Yeah. <laughs> which honestly is probably closer to what it's worth. But Actually. We also find out supposedly Kirk has 12 brothers and sisters. This is never mentioned again in the rest of the show. Yeah. He seems to be an only child in the rest of the show. So, you know. He has major only child energy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He, like, lives with his mom. Do you think he was just making that up as a way to get Jackson (laughs) to be willing to pay more money? Because Kirk is basically saying, like, I want this basket because my mom made baskets for all of my siblings except for me. Mm -hmm. And... I think he's maybe it's just a, like a little white lie to get Jackson to be sympathetic and pay even more. Yeah. Though you think in a small town, Jackson would know <laughs> how many siblings Kirk has. But you anyways, <laughs> so they're, they've got the basket back and they're like laying out. It's all set out. It looks so romantic. It's like a tablecloth. There's this fancy bread and she's even got a candle going they have champagne glasses it's like the whole works (laughs) luxurious it's what you actually imagine a picnic to be like in your mind yeah before you actually go and then it's just all like ants and sun (laughs) yeah and never being comfortable because sitting on the ground isn't really that comfortable Mm -hmm. (laughs) but suki brings up that she that they could talk about you know, what they were talking about before, which is moving in. Of course, no, nobody can say something straight. <laughs> and Jackson very coyly says, uh, I don't know. You know, now that I think about it, moving, moving in together is not really a big deal. Yeah, I'm having second thoughts. Yeah. Says. <laughs> and Suki is just like, oh, um, okay. And she attempts to pretend that she's not disheartened by this mm-hmm. brokenhearted. <laughs> And then he says he thinks that what they should really do is get married. <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah. It's so romantic. Yeah. It comes out of nowhere. Yeah. The coyness really makes so it perfect. have that surprise. Yeah. Yeah. And Suki asks, are you pregnant? <laughs> Which I think I love the pairing of this like the tenderness the romance of it all with the lighthearted humor that mm-hmm. are in a lot of Suki's responses. It's like the back and forth is very playful and just lovely. Like maybe it'd be cheesy if you didn't add in that humor. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's like the, oh, the unexpected marriage proposal. Are you pregnant? Like <laughs> it's just, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. And you can tell like she's not saying this stuff. Like she doesn't say that stuff to to say it like to make Mm -hmm. a joke out of anything she says it because she's kind of flabbergasted yeah (laughs) and these are the things that come to mind yeah and it's not meant to like undermine him or anything Mm -hmm. like that like she still is taking it seriously but you're right I think it's like to kind of buy some time because the emotions she's experiencing are so like strong that she's Mm -hmm. kind of like 
in the meantime, kind of making funny little comments before, <laughs> like, building up to when she's finally able to, like, say yes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I admit I, like, had tears running down my cheeks because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're just so perfect together. And I'm glad that they have a happy conclusion to their little tiff, I guess, whatever yeah. you'd call it. Yeah, because she's, like, crying and choked up when mm-hmm. she says yes. And then the last kind of funny line is, like, you do know this means we'll have to live <laughs> together, right? <laughs> yeah, so cute. It's all just so sweet. And we need, we need like, a happy romance at this point <laughs> because yeah. things are falling apart for Rory. Things have fallen apart for Lorelai and don't ever seem to be getting back together. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just a perfect, perfect moment. And I guess that brings us to our final picnic vignette sort of thing between Luke and Lorelai, which also features a notable scene with Lorelai and Dean as well. Um, But before we get to the Dean of it all, the whole, like, you see Luke and Lorelai, they're sitting under the gazebo. It's the most picturesque thing ever. They're bantering. He goes to get food from the diner because, of course, her basket is not edible. (laughs) And they come back. They're just eating. It's so, like, comfortable and familiar. And it's like how, oh, you too. Like, and they're talking about, oh, she says, like, hmm, let's see. He asks her, like, who did you want to get your basket? Like, why did you do this at all? She jokes about, like, trying to get someone who could help her with home improvements because last year (laughs) she got like 50% off somewhere this year she hoped someone could get her to clean the get someone to clean the gutters or something like that but ultimately it kind of comes down to her like kind of belief in this sort of nice concept or the romantic side of the back basket auction that she's talking about and she's like it's kind of nice to you know bid on have someone bid on your basket And they say, like, oh, someday you'll find the right guy and drag him out to this thing and sit here with him. And that's Luke saying that. And he's like, you know, this is nice. He's, like, acknowledging exactly what happened and that they are having currently that nice moment. (laughs) And yet he doesn't totally say that. She doesn't, I don't know, Dean comes up at this point. So it's kind of, we don't know what she would have said, but I think, so much about their dynamic is allowing all of the stuff to go unsaid and unaddressed <laughs> by yeah. actions, you know? So, yeah. It's yeah. Like, Come on, you two. <laughs> this could not be more of a scenic picnic that you're both having. Just like Suki and Jackson, but you're not there yet. Yes. <laughs> the moment is, like, so clear. I even thought, like, Luke, when he looked at her and said, this is nice, I thought it was another one of those moments where he was, like, gearing up to ask her on a date or something but then we get Dean (laughs) and this discussion with Dean is my Friday night dinner and not because I think I think Dean is in the wrong for involving Lorelai but I mostly want to critique Lorelai for like entering into this conversation or like humoring it at all so dean comes up and he um is of course really angry he's kind of going off about how he doesn't think rory should be hanging out with jess he's such a bad guy and all this and lorelei 
says that <laughs> Dean sounds jealous, which of course is true. But I I think it's never a good idea for like the best friend or the parent or anything to talk to the partner of like to talk to your best friend's partner when you're having a bad time in your relationship. I think that never goes well. And especially since Lorelai is Rory's mom, she should have just kind of said, Dean, this isn't my place. You'll have to talk to Rory about it because it's none of her business. She can't speak for Rory, which is basically what she ends up doing here. And by speaking for Rory, she also gives Dean, I guess, hope that something that might not be true is true. (laughs) And he she takes away Rory's ability to like really think through and process and decide what she wants to do about things yeah and it's almost like she is condoning his behavior Mm -hmm. as well which is like visibly he's very worked up and I don't want to be dramatic but like that is a problem that he yeah. would like he needs to actually get that under control because it is a problem that he is this worked up and that he like went home and couldn't stop thinking about this and had to come back and talk to Lorelai like he's not managing his emotions properly <laughs> and if he needs help he should go get help it's not his fault but like he needs to manage that or get help managing it um and yeah like also this conversation they like is part of what they keep saying like he she dean the way she talked when she talks to rory later on they keep saying like he's bad news he's gonna get you in trouble and they're i think very much trying to foreshadow that whole like car crash thing Mm -hmm. that ends up happening but also like there's the question of is rory Does she have good judgment or is she naive and innocent and getting taken advantage of? Is she making her own choices like with I don't know. It's like, yeah, it felt very heavy handed. This really like the bad news trouble guy like that they all believe in. And she ultimately says you have to trust her. And he says he does. But he like, how can he honestly say he trusts her? Yeah. Seriously. He clearly does it. <laughs> and he, he's also, like, making everything about himself. Like, he's saying that Jess is doing this just to bug him, mm-hmm. not to not for any other reason. Maybe um, he needs to believe that or he would yeah, go, like, totally off the rails. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, he there's no way that he is showing any trust in Rory with all of this, especially with how he treated her when she decided to go on the picnic with Jess Mm -hmm. and I don't I don't know Lorelai is also such a hypocrite for saying that he just needs to trust Rory because in just a few minutes she'll do the opposite (laughs) yeah I think we can go to that scene because we are done with all of the picnics yeah well we have Lane's but basically what happens with Lane is her picnic plans with Henry don't happen Mm -hmm. and the uh phone booth or whatever isn't working so she borrows Lorelai's phone calls Henry and he pretty much tells her like this is too complicated 
Mm-hmm. They haven't even been on a date yet. And that's been all the way since that dance probably almost a year ago. Yeah. To be geez. honest, maybe more because <laughs> I think that was before Christmas. Oh, no, this. No, I was thinking of the other dance. The party, yeah, yeah was I guess, was. Spring. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that's almost a, a while. year. Yeah. And he says that he wants to go to prom and Lane, it's so sad. She like gets excited and it's like, I think I can come up with a way. Mm-hmm. But what he's trying to get at is he's invited somebody else because this yeah. is just too complicated. And I sadly agree with him. In the end, yeah, their relationship was so complicated and it was yeah. really not able to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. We'll come back to that towards the mm-hmm. end because I think there's a really touching scene at the end. But <laughs> back into the heat of things with Lorelai and Rory and Dean and Chess and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> so after all the picnics, as we said, Rory shows up back home with books from her outing with Jess, who's and it supposedly was not a date. <laughs> um, and Lorelai, like, Starts off immediately with talking about how Jess just isn't a nice kid. He's got all of these things. And she repeats almost word for word what Dean had told her. So that's mm-hmm. just another another reason of why she should never have gotten involved. Because now she's just like spreading gossip essentially. Like yes we know that some of it's true. But also Dean could have been exaggerating and he doesn't really know. And of course, Lorelai has not checked any sources, so she has no idea. She's just like going for the the biggest attacks on Jess's character. Yeah, she's being very judgmental toward Jess. And I think there is validity. Like I can imagine her just hearing about, you know, what he did to Taylor or like a few other things. I can imagine, you know, as a parent, you hear some of that and then you hear your kid is hanging out with that kid. I can see how you might jump to some conclusions. But the fact that it's coming directly after, like you said, the conversation with Dean and then like her really echoing so much of his language, I think that is what is the red flag about how she's approaching this. And she is biased and she says like, I'm not taking sides, but she's clearly yeah. taking Dean's side. She's like advocating for him right now. And I think that's like really where I agree with your Friday night dinner critique of the way she's treating this, like really the way it comes out in this scene. Um, and Rory addresses that at the end. She's like, are we talking about Dean or you? Um, and it's kind of both. Like Dean is so aligned with Lorelai here about like anti- Jess and really doubting Rory's judgment and choices and whatnot and ultimately Lorelai's also doing that classic projection yeah of like (laughs) she's talking so much about her experience with Christopher you know like the the elusive alluring alluring the hot bad guy you know that like leads you down a road that you probably like didn't want to go down and that's not Rory (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I also have my Rory's bookshelf within this scene. Um, Lorelai adds to this that Jess has made enemies throughout the town, which I think is 
not exactly true. He was an, an enemy of everybody as soon as he moved in, which Rory's response is, I didn't know we'd move to Salem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's my Rory's bookshelf, not necessarily because it's uh, referencing something super specific, but just, you know, obviously the witch hunts and everything that Salem's famous for. And speaking of books, I've been reading or listening to audiobooks of my childhood favorites, and I was really into witches for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I just listened to The Witch of Blackbird Pond. So if you have like a young kid in your life and you're looking for cool historical fiction books to, for them, that's a good recommendation. But it's like, similar thing where a new where a girl comes and she's like from a different culture kind of she ends up moving in with her aunt and uncle in puritan salem not salem but puritan new england and the town like turns against her just because she's different and treats thinks that she's a witch and all of that stuff Mm. um so it's definitely what's happening here with jess they hated him from the very beginning and yeah. nobody gave him a chance just yeah. because he's different. <laughs> For, I mean, first of all, that book sounds really interesting. But it's um, yeah, I want to I'll lose Puritans. <laughs> I'll put that on my list because um, I teach the Puritans often when I TA for like a lecture course. So I'm familiar with them. <laughs> yeah, That is a good Puritans are a good comparison for Stars Hollow in some regards. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, they have very like, like insulated community. Yeah. Very strong ideas about how, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, <laughs> noted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, moving forward, um, it seems like later on in the week, where we open up at a Friday night dinner, and it's pretty funny because Lorelai and Rory are silent. Clearly, they have not resolved this like feud between the two of them. Emily is going on and on about how Richard has joined a cigar club and how she's, like, glad that he found something. He's in a transition, but, like, she had to put her foot down because he smelled so much when he came home. And she, it's kind of like, then she tries to engage both of them in conversation and they're, like, short answers. And I think you, like, Emily likes that she gets to have the floor and all the talking, but she ultimately, like, puts puts her fork down and is like, okay. Tell me what's going on. Like, I've had the... She's very, you know... I guess you don't have to be that observant, but she is and notices that there's something going on. Um, And this opens up again the conversation between Rory and Lorelai about the whole Jess thing. We see this weird element that, like, when... I mean, Rory gets either, like, a text or a phone call. I don't know. She gets a page a page okay because i was like i don't think she could text yet right yeah so retro (laughs) yeah and lorelei is like who is that is that jess which clearly shows like how far gone she currently is in this whole like she'll come back around kind of by the end of the episode but she's at this moment so not trusting of rory and her judgment at all she's being like the classic invasive parent yeah that she is not she's not that person it's like she's so far gone at this moment it's shocking (laughs) yeah like she already thinks that rory and jess are date like doing something behind dean's back like rory's cheating on on dean which is you know 
something that'll come up in a couple seasons but <laughs> it comes up at the end of the episode though yeah part of the question is Lorelai asking like are is that Jess calling you and Rory evades the question but then at the end of the episode she does call Jess mm-hmm. so part I don't know it's so weird to think about like Lorelai and Dean their actions and behaviors are so bad but then there's also true like they are both identifying something that is actually happening that Rory is kind of denying so it's like this is are they feeling irrational and is that part of why they act so badly is because they're like Rory's I don't know do you know what I'm saying yeah (laughs) I think this is really where I think the consequences of Lorelai getting involved show up because if she hadn't so clearly taken Dean's side from the beginning, then Rory would feel comfortable talking to Lorelai about it, like saying, I'm having this problem. And we see that she tries to call Lane also, but like she's clearly having like a crisis where she's realizing she has these feelings for Jess, but yeah, you know, it must be so confusing. Yeah. And she has nobody to talk to about it. So it's just because everybody if she did talk to Lorelai about it, especially at this point, like Lorelai would just jump down her throat and That's obviously she can't talk to Dean about it. But during this kind of attack from Lorelai at dinner, Roy just storms off and goes and sits in Richard's study, which I have a weird aside for his study. There was a lamp in there. I don't know if you noticed it. It was on the table next to the chair and it's, does not fit the decor at all it's like (laughs) a it looks like like the shade looks like an upside down bowl it's very bowl shaped and it's black and has light up stars on it Hmm. and then the stand for the lamp was like a bat with glowing green eyes (laughs) i did not notice that so out of place and i think that it only worked because, like, once Rory was sitting down in the shot, you just saw, like, the side of the lampshade and it's dark, like, everything else in the room. But it mm-hmm. was just so strange and it seemed like something that Lorelai would have along with her monkey lamp instead of Richard. But, yeah, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, but while Rory is in there kind of stewing, um, Emily is siding with Lorelai wholeheartedly (laughs) like she is endorsing everything that Lorelai is saying like Lorelai needs to be even more strict she needs to do whatever she has to do to prevent Rory from doing anything with this Jess fellow (laughs) and Mm -hmm. like she needs to have a curfew for uh Rory (laughs) she needs to um you need to be her eyes her ears her brain make her choices for her yeah she also says i agree with you 100 percent yeah and these phrases lorelei will repeat later and you'll see how she's haunted by the fact that she got her mother's approval and that her mom agreed with her 100 percent. you just see like the realization dawning in lorelei's eyes mm-hmm. as she hears this at the table it's like shit i am in the wrong because my own mom is agreeing with me yeah it's her aha moment i have a question for you do you think that emily was serious here like she was actually agreeing with lorelei or do you think that she was like doing this to trick 
Lorelai into realizing that she was that Lorelai was acting like Emily had. I think I at least read this as her being serious. And she was so like passionate, which I guess you could take like the heightened passion of her responses, maybe her being funny and putting it on. But no, I think she was like just very I don't think she was being funny about it. I think she mm. was being like strategic about it, like mm. kind of exaggerating her own thought process, <laughs> remembering what she had done when this happened to Lorelai. Um Hoping that Lorelai would have the realization that she did have, like, mm. oh, shit, I'm going to do the exact same thing my mom did. Yeah, might be too complicated. <laughs> no, but I think, I mean, Emily, I think, is an incredibly smart person. And she could, we definitely know she's a strategic person. So mm-hmm. I like your reading of the scene. I took it as, like, serious, but maybe I'll go rewatch it again and see how I feel. <laughs> I was also thinking, like, this hasn't come up yet, but when... Rory and Jess are finally dating Emily like makes a conscious effort to at least make it seem like she is supportive to Rory Mm. so I I don't know if she's like learning from the past or not but I don't know maybe I just want that to be what's happening (laughs) I don't blame you (laughs) yeah all of this does convince Lorelai that she needs to layoff pretty much she goes in and apologizes to Rory and says that it is ultimately Rory's choices and she says that she trusts Rory yeah I thought her apology was good like I trust your judgment but the second part I didn't approve of which goes along with your critique again is that her like follow-up thing is still to say cut Dean some slack he's crazy about you yeah (laughs) which is just I mean of course I'm biased I'm not team Dean so of course it's gonna personally bother me if Lorelai is siding with Dean and likes him better than Jess but putting that on that aside I still think she's condoning his behavior yeah like to say someone's crazy about you just cut them some slack that they're acting out inappropriately and where does it end like where do you stop cutting them slack once you've started (laughs) yeah so I just I didn't love that part yeah I agree yeah but we leave Friday night dinner with a resolved fight I suppose (laughs) and then we get I guess a couple more scenes so Rory calls Lane it's after nine, so Lane shouldn't be allowed to talk, but Mrs. Kim like hears it in Rory's voice and goes to knock on Lane's door, and Lane says she doesn't want to talk right now. You know means something is wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so then Rory's left with nobody to talk to in this moment, and we get a moment with Lane and Mrs. Kim where Mrs. Kim like goes in because she can tell something's wrong with Lane. And Lane is crying on her bed. Mrs. Kim kind of goes off about how, like, this is what she was afraid of. This is what she was protecting Lane from with all of her strict rules is to keep her from getting hurt by a boy. Which I thought, like, Mrs. Kim definitely goes about things in a particular and strict way. But she does always have Lane's best interests at heart. And this is, like, good evidence of that. Mm -hmm. I think it was very... I liked how this was very parallel to Lorelai in this episode 
or even Emily, the the like the recurring question of like how to mother your child and how to have their like they all say it's for their best interest and to protect them from getting hurt and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And that takes form in different ways that have different consequences and it affects their different methods of parenting. And it's, yeah, it's very much the question of like, what is overstepping? What is both Lorelai and Mrs. Kim in this episode, for example, are not trusting like Mm -hmm. the judgment of their daughters and Lorelai kind of comes around and I think Mrs. Kim has sympathy in the end. And she, like, realizes perhaps that she didn't even realize, like, her rules were keeping Lane away from someone that she would deem to be, like, okay. So there's a bit of irony there that happens. Yeah, that's true. Lane finally, like, kind of rounds on her mother and says, or she tells um, her mom Henry's name. I think his last name was Cho. Cho. So Mrs. Kim recognized that, recognizes that as a Korean name. And so then Lane says, like, all of these things, which are exactly the things that are on Mrs. Kim's list for a potential suitor. And Mrs. Kim attempts to, like, salvage the situation by saying, well, maybe she can talk to his parents, but it's done. And it's just, a, like, a sad, yeah, sad realization for Mrs. Kim, as you said, that her roles are stifling Lane a lot she could have had a good relationship with Henry she could have married a doctor back at home Rory's second phone call (laughs) is to Jess which is also worth noting if Lane was in bed sad and not willing to talk it definitely was not Lane that paged Rory (laughs) so was it Jess was it Dean we'll never really know I think it probably was Dean since Mm -hmm. we know of his history with calling yeah. and checking in. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Jess did seem surprised when Rory called, right. even though he says that he point. was glad that she called. So, right. So she probably saw she had like, what, how many missed calls and yeah. voicemails yeah. when she got home and decided to call um, Jess instead, yeah. which is kind of my, I wanted to say at the end, like my Friday night dinner critique is partially like the one that you made about Lorelai and Dean it's partially about Dean's reaction to all of this but I also just wanted to like question in terms of the story itself and the way they the writers chose to pursue the relationship between like the you know the downfall of Dean and Rory and then the advancement of like Jess and Rory I'm just wondering like why they didn't just have Rory break up with Dean somewhere around this point in this mm-hmm. season like as a response to feeling like infatuated with Jess and seeing Dean's like gross jealous behavior and just dumping him and going after Jess and then maybe having the realization that like oh their relationship isn't perfect either but they really like drag this whole like jealousy subterfuge kind of thing for so long in a way that I think is a disservice to, I mean, Dean and Rory. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then also, like, the start of this romantic relationship between Jess and Rory also was, like, it happened in a way that didn't, she didn't have as much agency in either. Like, if, she, like, him bidding on her basket 
it results in them spending time together and kind of growing closer but like that wasn't her choosing to spend the afternoon with Jess it's almost like an accident and I almost would I think it would have been an appealing storyline to have her making more like active choices and pursuits of like pursuing Jess when she gets a crush on him Mm -hmm. dumping Dean when his behavior is bad rather than like dealing with Dean for a long time getting closer to Jess and then whatever happens in the end of like Dean dumping her because like he can see that she's into Jess you know like why not just have her take so many of those choices into her own hands like right now yeah I'm sure there's answers to that but like I I think that a large part of it is the town is at fault and Lorelai is at fault Because we've gotten a lot of evidence so far that Rory really cares about what people think about her, especially Mm. the people in the town and Lorelai. And she knows that everybody likes Dean and everybody likes her and Dean and everybody hates Jess. (laughs) So I feel Mm -hmm. like that's really influencing her decision. But I I agree. I wish we could have gotten that because I just think it would have been so much more. We would have gotten so many more like good conversations between Jess and Rory we could have had Jess kind of win over Lorelai that could have been fun Dean is just kind of a dried up sponge at this point you know we just don't need him anymore (laughs) a good episode I think there's so much to talk about and like we could probably we've already gone very long but I feel like we could still (laughs) keep talking about it yeah definitely (sighs) yeah at least we have a Suki and Jackson engagement to celebrate and a wedding. Yeah. Okay. So on that note, um, again, don't forget to rate and review us, especially on Apple Podcasts. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And uh, send us your gazebo moments and any other thoughts or feelings that you have <laughs> um, to TalkingFastPodcast at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> All right. Talk to you next week. See you next time.